0: Please remain standing for our scripture lesson out of back in Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verses 19 through 23. If you remember, Daniel was put into the lion's den and it was sealed closed. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den of Where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions?
1: And on this Easter Sunday morning, we come to a very providential text, rather miraculously, really, because we've just been going through Daniel, and it is a remarkable providence of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that there are no accidents in the kingdom of God, and especially you love your church, and you coordinate everything around Jesus, around his person, his body, his blood, his resurrection, his sacrifice, his gospel message for the world. Thank you that you brought us to this place right now. In a little while we'll have the supper as well. I pray that we'd be good stewards of feasting on Jesus today. Through our ears and our mouths, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So there's so many similarities between Daniel's being released from the lion's den and our Lord Jesus Christ coming forth from the grave on that first Easter Sunday morning. Consider some of them with me. First of all, we see here King Darius coming to Daniel's lion's den at the break of day in verse 20. And we're reminded that the women and others came to Christ's tomb that was now empty because he had risen from it very early in the morning, as per John chapter 20, verse 1. Next, even as the triune deity sent one of his angels into the lion's den to shut the mouth of the fatal animals that would have devoured Daniel, God's servant, so, and we see that in our text today, in verse 22, so God the Father sends two angels to his son's now vacant tomb to encourage Mary Magdalene in John chapter twenty, verse twelve, and others as well, by telling them that the they are looking for the living among the dead, and that he isn't here, he is risen from the dead. Those are two remarkable similarities Furthermore, just as Daniel was entirely civilly and constitutionally blameless, he had done no real wrong whatsoever, verse 22, as he even says himself. All he did was being faithful to his God and praying to him three times a day. So our Lord Jesus Christ never sinned even one time in his entire life, as we know from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And finally... Whereas King Darius was exceedingly glad, verse 23, to know that his good friend Daniel was still alive. So Jesus Christ coming back to life brings unimaginable joy to all those who know and love him, as per Matthew 28, verse 8. In light of all this wonder, dear saints and others, let's surround ourselves with our Savior and make it our goal this Sabbath day. To live in, rejoice in, and love the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Toward that end, we're going to study Daniel 6, 19 through 23, and you all have been provided an outline. If anyone needs one, I'm sure we could take care of you. Daniel's resurrection, the doctrine. Resurrection in Jesus Christ is a most glorious experience. Now, this is a simple yet profound doctrinal statement. The entire Christian church life is a continual experience of resurrection. But resurrection itself only has meaning in light of its juxtaposition of its opposite, which is death. So there is no resurrection where there isn't first death. And we all died in Adam. And so death, even though it's a bad thing, is not the worst thing. Because there's something much greater than death, and that is resurrection. There's no resurrection where there isn't first death. And our entire trek of sanctification in this world is fully encapsulated in this dynamic of dying to sin, self, the world, and the devil, and living unto Christ Jesus day by day. Lord's day to Lord's day. All of life revolves around the resurrection of Jesus Christ, And every good story ever told in the entire history of mankind alludes to the resurrection or the concept of it in one form or another. And you would notice that if you thought about that. Resurrection in Jesus Christ is the most glorious experience. First, the fact that we rise from the dead makes it all the more remarkable. The authentic Christian church life is not one of resuscitation... Or rehabilitation, or restoration, or anything like that. There's a place for that kind of stuff, but that's not what Christianity is. It's not, it, we don't exist to be made better so that we can enjoy life more. We exist as Christians to be made like Christ so that we glorify God and really know what life is. It's not about resuscitation or restoration or rehabilitation. It's about resurrection and that from the dead. So if you came to church this morning and have something in you that is dead, that you think is moribund, killed off, something in you, in your soul, in your will, in your intellect, in your psyche, in your heart, or even in your body, I've got good news for you. That's not such bad news after all. Because death alone leads to resurrection. In Jesus Christ, you may be made alive at precisely that point of your felt or conceived of death. That's one of the glories of Christian living, is that at our worst point, our most vulnerable point, our our most dreadful point, our dead point, that's where God makes us alive in Christ Jesus. He brings dead things to life. And he does it through our participation in Christ's resurrection from the dead, which we hear from faithful pulpits and take at faithful tables of the Lord. Dears, have you ever thought about this in a very real sense? God is not interested in anything but death in us. You know, the fall didn't come as a surprise to God. If we hadn't fallen into sin, we'd never know how great and glorious God is. All his wonderful attributes would never have been known. God is interested in death in us because it is his policy, his gracious work in the gospel to bring dead things to life. So I ask you, what is it that you think is just dead in you and has no hope at all? Something that you think is just beyond, and it is. It's beyond your hope. You can't rehabilitate it. You can't resuscitate it. You can't do anything with it. But it's not too big for God. He brings life out of death. And on this Lord's Day, on which we particularly focus on our Messiah's resurrection... Let us always, and especially today, find all our hope in our risen King and Lord Jesus alone. Resurrection in Jesus Christ is a most glorious experience. The fact that we rise from the dead makes it all the more remarkable. And our new life is entirely engulfed in our victorious Redeemer. Remember, dear, true resurrection life is never independent of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we come to church every Sunday. We separate ourselves from Him. We have no life. We're dead. And we prove ourselves to be dead. That's evidence that we're dead. We don't have any life. We don't want life. And in our death, of course, we don't want life. But in our resurrection, we do want life. And all true resurrection life flows from our blessed, risen Crowned Lord Jesus Christ, who rules and reigns in heaven, yes, and on earth. And through him we have a natural connection with his body, his blood, his soul, and his person because we are united to him as the body of Christ, the resurrected children of God that make up his true church. It's a beautiful thing. It's one of the reasons we stress this doctrine so much at the Lord's Supper where we make a, a firm point of the fact that we are united to Jesus Christ in his body, his blood, his person, his very being. Everything about him is given to us by God the Father. He holds nothing back. God gives us everything, all of Jesus, the only one who has any life and provides us any hope. Therefore, if we do want life, if we desire it, it, must be found in Christ. And if we sincerely do desire, or want life, then that is because a sovereign God has already birthed life in us, in our resurrected souls, regeneration, the new birth. He's already done it, in and through the Holy Spirit's application of Christ's atonement to our souls. So, outside of Jesus, in our unregenerate state, we don't want life. We just want to do what we want to do. And that's called death we exist for a few years and then die and go to hell. And that's not life, that's death. But that's where we all were before we were accosted by this sovereign, wonderful, gracious, loving, good, and holy God who brought us to himself miraculously through the gift of regeneration, the application of the atonement of Christ to our hearts. So what are we to do? You know what we're to do? Want the right one. Desire the right person. Earnestly seek the living, even among the dead of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. Just want the right thing. The right person. What else are we to do? We're to pray for people who are in that dead state, just like we were in. After all, were we not in the position of destitution of soul and no hope whatsoever? And God used the means of grace, the preaching of the gospel from his faithful church, the administration of the sacraments, and the prayers of some saint and someone who would share the gospel with us when we are dead in trespasses and sins. God brought us to himself through Jesus Christ. Let's look at these amazing verses, 19 to 23, chapter 6, Daniel. And marvel at the glories of the regenerate churchman's resurrection. Now, glory surrounds the resurrection of Jesus so much that for us to use the word or its cognate twice on this outline is not untoward or out of place. Now, there's resurrection is an instantaneous experience. Resurrection is not a process. Instead, resurrection happens in an instant, in the blink of an eye. Resurrection is an instant work of God, where He brings something that is dead to life. And all of you who are regenerate in Christ today are in that state. In a snap, God did that in His perfect time, even as we read about it in the Westminster earlier today. Sovereign God did it. And by resurrection, we mean it in the Bible's description of both the soul, regeneration or new birth, and the body, as per Jesus rising on the first New Covenant Sabbath day, that first Sunday, Easter Sunday, and as per the saints rising on the judgment day unto glory and life and honor, even though the damned will also rise on that day, but only to perdition. The glories of the regenerate churchman's resurrection. First, hope compels us to seek the living one at break of day, verses 19 and 20. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, as your God whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. <laughs> not that amazing? The break of day, the sealed tomb, the sealed den. This picture, remember all the Bible speaks of Jesus. And the most glorious thing that Jesus did was die and rise from the dead for his church and bring that gospel to the whole world. And transform the entire universe through it. The new heavens and new earth, the new world in which we live. Resurrection and hope have an interesting relationship and they're usually joined. But how could there be hope without first resurrection? And how is it that resurrection hope anticipates more resurrection? Well, the resolution of that question is found in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. He called himself that. I am the resurrection and the life. He says it in John's Gospel. Now, again, these questions about hope and resurrection are resolved in Christ, who is personified perfectly for us in today's text through Daniel, God's servant of the Old Covenant. And King Darius, he typifies us believers like Mary Magdalene and those others who come to Jesus... And know that we have hope. Even when all seems lost and everything seems set against us and there's no hope, there is hope. And so against all hope, Darius shows up. Against all hope, Mary Magdalene shows up. Against all hope, the disciples show up. And they all show up early at a tomb where in the case of Jesus, he is gone. At a den where the case of Daniel, he's still alive. We might argue here that Darius was already regenerate, but that's not the main point. The main thing for us to take away from these first two verses is this, that we find our hope realized and fulfilled entirely and completely in Jesus Christ, God's living, reigning, ruling, loving Son. What problems do you have today? I suspect all of you have some. Bring them to the living Christ. If it is in your best interest, your loving Heavenly Father will bring life out of your death. And if he does it, because it's in your best interest, he will do it through his Son, the living, glorious, crowned King of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ our Lord. The glories of the regenerate churchman's resurrection, hope compels us to seek the living one at break of day, and grace provides us justification, protection, and innocence in Christ. Verses 21 and 22. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Now, this is a picture of Christ, but it's also a picture of us, the church in Christ today. We also have the angel of God attending to us. In the ultimate sense, the angel of God, capital T, capital A, is Jesus Christ himself. The great messenger that God sent here to save us. Jesus Christ is our angel. Daniel had an angel. Those angels shut the lions' mouths. When sin and death and hell and damnation, the world were about ready to devour us forever and finally, God shut the mouths of those enemies. And not only that, trampled them and destroyed them in the resurrection of Jesus. Saved us from our fatal sin, which would have otherwise Like Daniel among those hungry animals gobbled us up alive without any hope whatsoever as we are fallen, dead, lost sinners in Adam. On top of all this, we also who are in Christ, get this, this is beautiful, we who are in Christ and his faithful church and who are entitled to the assurances of that blessing I'm about to speak of, by God's grace and crowning of his own grace in us that compels us to come to Jesus every Sunday in a faithful church. We are perfectly justified before God, fully and completely righteous. Not in ourselves, we have no righteousness, no goodness, no works, nothing right about us at all. We're just nothing but a sea of depravity. But all our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. All of it is. So I'm declaring to you the gospel that if you are in Christ and have the rights to the entitlement of assurance, you may know that your sins are forgiven completely, utterly, absolutely. That you stand righteous and justified before God, free, liberated children of grace. Daniel was innocent. He wasn't sinless, but he did no harm against the kingdom or King Darius. But, theres do you realize that if you're in Christ Jesus and faithful and have those assurances and could hear absolution and applied to you this morning, if you died right now, you'd stand before the bar of God's justice absolutely, perfectly clean, justified. Because Jesus Christ's righteousness has been imputed to you, all of it, his active of keeping of the law and his passive dying for sinners by shedding his blood on the cross. This is good news, dears. How can it be? Because by God's grace we are in Christ and we're covered by his person. We wear the robes of his righteousness. God sees us through him, perfectly clean and just. His righteousness, his atoning sacrifice, his love. Yes, we're still sinners. Of course we are. But that does not debar us from this wonderful state before God. Because as we're in that state, we hate our sin and seek to grow more into Christ's likeness every Lord's Day, and from there throughout the week. Is there any wonder why resurrection life in Jesus among the true saints is an unspeakable, joyful one, and why Easter is such a celebratory Lord's Day for us? Now we're going to see more about this in the blessed reality of it in the last verse, but before we leave verses 21 and 22, let us settle on how spectacular this truth really is, of resurrection state in Christ Jesus. All our sins are gone forever. Praise the Lord. The glories of the regenerate churchman's resurrection. Hope compels us to seek the living one at break of day. Grace provides us justification, protection, and innocence in Christ. And finally, joy is the result of God's crowning of his gift of faith to his elect. Verse 23. <clears throat> Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I well, like verse 23 is the key verse today because it speaks so much of resurrection joy, ineffable elation in Christ. Uh, king Darius is very happy. Daniel, you can be sure, was quite happy too. Spent a few days Who knows? Maybe he spent three days down there in the den. But now he is freed from it. Joy, my dear saints. I saw it on a lot of your faces and heard it from your lips this morning. He has risen, he has risen indeed. It is Easter. Joy, joy, joy. It's a beautiful thing. A joyful season in the life of the church. Because in it, Regenerate parishioners realize in the fullest measure possible in this world the supreme wonder of our total victory in Christ Jesus and his conquering of all his and our enemies and crushing them. How could this be if it wasn't for a sovereign God? We don't have any works. We don't have any will. We don't have any desire. A sovereign God has to do this. A sovereign God brings true, wonderful joy to his children. Every Sunday affords us the same supernal advantage, since every Lord's Day is a resurrection day. You know, that is a really neat truth, isn't it? That God changed the Sabbath upon Jesus Christ's resurrection. So this isn't the only resurrection day. All Sundays are resurrection days. And when we come back to church, we are to be made more and more, little by little, into the image of Jesus. And that happens through the dead things in us being made alive. The hopeless things in us being given life. The weakest parts of our lives, the the parts that are beyond our ability or any other human being's ability being made to our benefit in Christ Jesus. This God that you serve is a wonderful God. Each Lord's Day, hearing sermons, taking the supper, you're more and more conformed into the image of this resurrected King Jesus. And just as Darius and Daniel were filled with joy at the release from the lion's den, we as we fully participate in Jesus, are filled with joy, too. No matter what our lives have to face. What was Daniel doing in the lion's den while he was down there with the hungry animals? I don't know, could he see the angel holding the lion's mouth shut? I don't know. How many lions were there? I don't know, there were at least two. What was he doing down there? Same thing he always did, got him tossed in the lion's den in the first place, only probably even more, praying to his God and trusting him. And that's what it says at the end of verse 23. He trusted in his God, and we have the privilege of doing the same through Jesus Christ, our risen, crowned, victorious Lord today. Let's do some really neat application this morning and glory in why the risen Christ is central to the entirety of our beings and lives. Do you know, Dears, it's not the resurrection itself that is ultimately central to all that we are, or even all that the world is. Neither is the cross, as great as it was and is, central to all of that. Nothing else is central. Only the person of Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes the cross and resurrection meaningful. Not our obedience, not our religious passion, not anything in the world is central. The person of Christ alone is central to all that is. And this is especially true for the members of the faithful church. So, why the risen Christ is central to the entirety of our beings and lives. First, because Jesus in his resurrection is the perennially relevant reality. R-E-L-E-V-A-N-T. That means meaningful. Think about this with me. Jesus Christ, in his resurrection, historically verifiable, recorded for us in the New Testament, is the only truly stable, permanent, lasting, let alone exciting, powerful, and fulfilling reality in the entire universe that God created through him. Jesus Christ himself is absolutely at the center of it all. Have you ever wondered how a 2,000-plus-year-old message called the gospel, which you're hearing right now, could be instantaneously and immediately just as powerful today while God employs it through his ministers to convert sinners to himself and Jesus Christ as it always has been? How is that possible? How is this old, old message just as powerful and relevant and pertinent and immediate, and instantaneous today as it always has been. It's because it's a living reality that never wears out, that is always more relevant than anything else. On top of that, dears, think about this. What if the world as we know it continues to exist another 10,000 years or more? still awaiting the judgment day and the resurrection of all human bodies. Well, even if that happens, even in 10,000 years from now, the message of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, as it is expressed in the good news of the gospel, will continue to be just as current, relevant, immediate, and effective as it is today. So are you tempted to be bothered by the things, the news, and the events happening in the world today? If you are, then recognize this, that the only news that really matters is the good news of the Savior, our risen King, Lord Jesus Christ who is sovereign over all things. So what I was saying there, there, is you, you're worried about things, troubled? Well, the only news that really matters is good news. And this leads naturally to our final point today. Why the risen Christ is central to the entirety of our beings and lives? Because Jesus in His resurrection is the perennially relevant reality, and this makes His preached gospel vital, attainable, and fully effective for us today. So what do you need in order to truly live? Ever thought about that? We're not talking about existing or just getting along or having the sort of false, illusory, fake life that the world offers us and all its advertisements and all its propaganda. And I don't blame it, it has nothing else to offer. We're talking, what do we need if we want real life? Well, we need the victorious Lord Jesus, and how do we get him? Good question. We get Jesus through a continual and weekly feast of him through his preached gospel. How else do we get him? We get him through the table of the Lord, prepared for the saints of God who are faithful in the church by God's grace. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We ingest His person, His body, His blood. How else do we get Him on a daily basis, Monday through Saturday? Through our continual prayers to Him, our devotion to Him, our desire to be with Him even in the prayer closet and times together with God. This devotion flows from our Sabbath church worship. It's all an organic whole, one piece. But what is it that really strengthens our heart, our mind? In Jesus Christ. It is the preaching of the gospel that reminds us, Lord's Day to Lord's Day, that Christ has truly remitted all our sins by his blood atonement and his glorious resurrection from the dead. It is the resurrection that secures our justification, Romans four twenty five. To whom does all this fabulous blessing apply? Well, it applies to the faithful members of Christ's church, but to whom else should it go? It is to go to every lost, fallen, hopelessly decrepit sinner in the world, just like we were. Beloved, Daniel's resurrection was powerful and joyful, just like ours is in Christ. So in Jesus today, we get to celebrate not only Daniel's, but our own resurrections. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that glorious truth, and we give you praise for it. Thanking you that this text so relevant and so amazing, how you did that, Father. So thankful for it, and thank you that every Sunday is a resurrection day in Old New Testament. Thank you for Jesus, the risen King. May we live in him and love him. In Jesus' name, amen.